This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of BXB. Bronx Baseball is the Yankees podcast from Odyssey and WFAN. Along with my co-host, as always, Keith McPherson, I'm Sweeney Murdy. Keith, a fun episode coming up. we got a couple of things to discuss. And coming up in a few minutes, we're going to be joined by Yankees pitching coach Matt Blake. I think we mentioned uh, a couple of times early on, he was the second most important free agent the Yankees had this winter, uh, right behind Darren Judge. So um, that Matt Blake is back, I think, is a good sign. And, um, you know, he's he obviously does a lot of great work. And we'll get into some of that stuff with him. Uh, how you doing today? Good morning, Sweeney. I'm doing all right. I've been up for, I guess, now about a half hour. Uh, <laughs> allergies have been kicking my ass. I think we can say ass on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah we can say ass on the radio. Um, but I'm maintaining it, and I'm excited because I'm a Matt Blake guy. I was never much of a Larry Rothschild guy. And I don't even remember who the pitching <laughs> coach was before Larry. Larry. Larry was very good at what he did. And Dave Island before that was very good at what he did. There's a, there's a few of those. Um it's uh, tell you what, as, as much as as bad as you might be feeling, there's probably a few people that are feeling worse right now uh, this week based on some developments. I got to think as much as they want to try and cover it, Met fans are not feeling real good right now. And Red Sox fans <laughs> are kind of licking their wounds right now, too. It is late in the ball game, And I for, you know, I'm forgetting who this is. The Yankees had this happen with somebody um, very prominently. And I can't on top of my head now I'm thinking about it. This late in the year, you get news that one of your starting players is not going to be available and might be down for the year. It is a really hard time of year to deal with. And as we're talking, we we spent our last episode spending some time talking about best team in the AL East, and it's got to be the Yankees. The Red Sox have taken some hits. They took another one with the loss of Trevor Story for an unfortunate period, an unknown period of time. And although they re-signed Rafael Devers and got him in the mix, it's um. It looks like it might be a trying season here for the Red Sox. You know, I used to hate the winter. It used to be too long. And I guess that's when I was a little younger and we didn't have all these updates and social media and Twitter. But don't you just yeah. love the baseball offseason now? It's, it's, it's entertaining. And just when you think it's a quiet time, we get a week like this one. This week was a gift. The Carlos Correa signing saga. <laughs> I think I did a ton yeah, on yeah. that. So giddy right now. It's that hilarious. I said it on this podcast, Sweeney. You asked me about it, and I was like, I don't care if he signs with the Giants or the Mets or the Twins. I'm I'm not a Carlos Correa fan. Some of these Yankees fans that became Carlos Correa stands, 
I don't understand it. I never liked the guy, never wanted the guy. I don't care what happens to him. But you know when I started to care? When Aaron Judge's press conference hit, and I woke up that morning excited to watch Yes, and I see tweets from people dancing on my name as if I care that Carlos Correa was signed in the middle of the night by Steve Cohen. Congrats, 2023 world champs. Crown them. <laughs> Amazing for you guys. Until it was not. And that was what I said. I'm like, hey, uh, check his his back, his ankles, his neck, his back, spinal, whatever you got to do. Maybe you get Mike White's doctors to clear him. I'm like, we didn't spend enough time on WFAN talking about what if this doesn't go through for the Mets doctors? Instead, they talked about projected lineups, what this left side of the infield was going to be. So I enjoyed this week kind of, uh, you know, reminding them to slow your roll a little bit. You got a great owner, but he's a rookie owner. He spoke out a little too much about that missing piece, and he spoke out a little too much about blowing through his own Steve Cohen tax. But now we hear, oh, you know, the $43 million or the $7 million a year or whatever it was, the difference in the contracts yeah. that Minnesota signed and uh, the Mets signed. Oh, now it's because the Mets would have been over the threshold and would have had to pay him more than that. Man, get out of here. <laughs> I, I, I think it was a good I think it was a good move, right? Not to sign damaged goods, not to tie yourself to a player for 12 years, 315 million when doctors are telling you, hey, this guy's uh not gonna last long or not gonna hold up or whatever they're telling him. But fans danced on or Mets fans danced on Yankees fans and crowned themselves the evil empire, the new George Steinbrenner. How many times have we heard that in the last two years? It's corny. So somebody's got to be there like me to remind these clowns to slow down, to remind these fans they haven't won anything. My parents didn't even imagine me last time the Mets won the World Series. So, yeah, that's how wow. I feel about it. And then the Red Sox, wow. the, the Red Sox changed their yeah. Twitter to Rafael Devers' picture. And then Rafael Devers as their cover photo, basically signaling this is all we have. Trevor Story's going to be out for a little while. We lost. Xander Bogarts, we lost yeah. Mookie Betts. <laughs> that's a hard move, man. That's uh and and listen, good for good for Devers for getting getting some money, but it was hard for me to think that if you'd given you could have given that money to Mookie Betts and Xander Bogarts and still had enough for Rafael Devers and probably been better off at this point. JD Martinez, Andrew Benintendi, they lost all their guys. So I hope that they're a bottom feeder in the AL East for years to come. Mm. I will look forward to beating up on the Red Sox because I got to get to Fenway. You know, I've never been to Fenway and oh, uh, I'd cool. like to plan a trip when it's it's clear that the Yankees Oh, you want to go, like, go when the Red Sox are down and you want to go in there and start peacocking? Know, yeah, I, I want to walk around there with a bunch of Yankee logos on me and uh, have no fear that the game might go the wrong way, but you never know. It, Red Sox, Yankees, and Fenway is always weird. It's crazy. Even this past year, it's like, oh, can't go there and necessarily guarantee a win. It's craziness. There's a lot happening there, but it's a, definitely a trip you should make at some point. Uh, and fewer opportunities because the schedule is going to change a little bit and it's only going to be two trips to every place. Um, that's going to start this year. The balance schedule is a little bit different. So um, I think we're going to care a little bit more about how the other divisions look, uh, in terms of strength, because you're going to play some of those guys a little bit more as well and balance it out a little bit. And then National League, too. So uh, that's going to uh, affect 
uh, how we look at things. I, I made I, I made a point last night, and you know, you talked about the the risk factor that the Mets obviously saw, the Giants obviously saw with Carlos Correa, and the Twins obviously saw because they only guaranteed him six years. Um, and and you mentioned the issues with Carlos Correa. There are potential issues with everybody, and 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 frankly, I think we talked about some of this with Aaron Judge because that size of a player doesn't usually play major league baseball and how long he can last was, is a legitimate question. I mean, he signed, he signed for nine years, but how long does he play um, at peak form with a body that's never been tested really at major league baseball at that length? That's kind of a a magic question for the Yankees to see if they're going to get what their money's worth um, for the long period of time. And it made me think of this quote. I remember last year there was a Donnie baseball documentary on MLB network, tremendous show to remind people what a phenomenal player Mattingly was. And one of the things he said towards the end of the show about his career, about how his back betrayed him and um, how it just, he wasn't the same player in the end. Keith, this is the quote. I want you to hear it. He said, I should have learned quicker to not beat my body up. I could have done less and performed better. And I think that's a real key element to here because I think we saw Aaron judge the last couple of years, you know, avoid the injuries that we have seen bite him in the years past. And he stayed on the field. And I do think part of it was managing his practice time and workload and swings he takes in order to maximize his game time. I'm a little long-winded on this, but I hope you're following along and understand. I think that's a real key part of whether or not Aaron Judge is going to live up to more of that contract than less. I don't think we have any illusions that he's going to live up to all nine years of it at a peak level. But if he's figured out the less is more that Mattingly wished he would have figured out earlier in his career, maybe you're going to get deeper into this contract at a more satisfactory level. Yeah. Uh, when I thought about that, I watched that Don Mattingly duck and I, I speak a lot about how, you know, my Yankee fandom, I completely missed Don Mattingly. I never got to see him step into the batter's box. I would have loved to root for the guy. And he seems like the kind of guy that took too many swings that worked too hard, that tried to figure out how to be as dominant as he was, but in the off season probably didn't rest much, probably didn't take a break. We just heard uh, Michael K tell a story about Anthony Volpe and how his dad told him, hey, take a month off. And then Brian Cashman called him and said, hey, you have an opportunity to compete for the shortstop position. And he said, all right, the next day I'm getting up. His dad, here's the garage at five in the morning. I'm out, dad. I got to go work up, work out. And he's a young man. Uh, You're 21. not just 21 forever. <laughs> that's so problem. that's the thing with Judge, right? Judge is going on 31, but Judge is playing 30 years later than Mattingly was, was playing. And sports science has evolved a ton and I think Judge is in the right place he's in New York with the best doctors he's with the Yankees who already have scheduled rest built in who already know him pretty well from the cracked rib the first rib the oblique the wrist we we heard too much talk about Aaron Judge's potential injuries that are going to come in the nine years right when there was no red flags on his physical at all so I think you know they have the right doctors sports medicine people uh, they spend more time on recovery now. Yeah. And, they, you know, they also have ways to like DH judge, have him in right field, take him out late in games, um, yeah. schedule him for days off, monitor him um, over the course of this next nine years. 
where I, I think he'll be fine. I think, you know, they expect him to break down because of how uh, yes. large of a human he is. Mm-hmm. But we don't know that. We don't we, we don't know that. We don't. It's and it's a different part of the equation, but you know the key thing that you hit on there is about like you know the rest days, and fans are going to kind of have to be okay with that. And, and remember, like for the next nine years, this is who Yankee fans are coming out to the park to see. The way they came out to see Derek Jeter, and he and Jeter was a different body type and a different position, and he was he was blessed with. Uh, without major injury until that uh, 2012 playoffs when when um, he, he fractured the ankle. But Derek Jeter was in the lineup, you know, 155, 160 times a year. Um, I think it's going to be hard to maintain that for Judge. And I think as fans, you know, you, it's going to stink when you, when you set up, you know, months in advance to go to a, a Yankees game in, say, July, and it happens to be the day the Judge is in the lineup for whatever reason – you know, it's going to stink for people who spent their money to go see him. But the Yankees are going to look at it as the long-term picture, not just for this season, but all the other seasons they have, they now have invested. It's going to have to be part of the equation, I think. But hopefully he's adopted the less is more philosophy going forward here to understand that his job is not to work out like a fiend, but to work out to prepare for the game. And I think he has to some degree, but it's hard to tell a prime athlete. Keith, you were you were a prime athlete once, right? You were a, a high school athlete with college uh, aspirations, and you did play in college. You know, it's hard to tell somebody who is motivated to do something that ease back, don't do as much. When everybody else is out there showing you how hard they're working, it's hard for you to admit that I'm doing better by not doing anything today yeah but sometimes less is more and I I hope that Aaron Judge is mature enough to uh take the help and uh listen to doctors and people but you know he's a a prime athlete an athlete in his prime that's gonna say hey I know my body best um obviously he bet on himself last year he knew what his body could do Uh, I I just don't fear it I just think that um you know this this guy is is different and uh Uh, He hasn't been as injury prone as people said. There were a lot of freak accident type of injuries. Well, not a lot, but there were two. He dove for a ball. He took a a hit by pitch. Yeah, Uh, I think he's going to be fine. And my my hope is that guys around him, you know, pick up the slack a little more where he's not expected to carry as much, where there's not as much mental pressure on him. There won't be with the, you know, 62 being out of the way. I I hope that his, you know, mind is – locked in as well as his body but yeah i just don't fear judge breaking down in like 2026 i think he's gonna be fine he's you know i think the best thing for him is going to be not to hit a lot of home runs early hit just enough right like if he has two home runs in april we're all going to be worried okay but if he has 10 home runs in april we're all going to be thinking oh is he going to get 63 this year so (laughs) I think he just <laughs> like that little balance right there, you know? I just like – I started thinking about how goofy the stadium's going to get if people start thinking, oh, this guy's on a tear. He's going for 60 again. Yeah. I just don't expect it to happen. If he hits 40, I'm cool. And, yeah, uh, yeah, and that absolutely. You should be. It should not be disappointing. You know, like how about finish April with like five, six, or seven home runs? I think you'll be satisfied. Yeah, I think people got to chill because they're going to be showing up to make TikToks too soon but what was i gonna say oh yeah. shout out to um joe randazzo yankee librarian on instagram he put out a post yesterday about judge and we were just talking about don mattingly uh i think judge is at 200 career home runs i think mattingly was at 207 
something so, like that. And uh, Judge is about to pass him this year. And I think if he hits 40, maybe it's maybe maybe it's Mattingly was at 207 and Judge may already be past him at like 220 or I got to get the post. Now that I'm saying it wrong too early in the morning. But basically what I'm getting at is that Judge's box office, he's going to give people reasons to show up to the stadium and he's going to have these milestone homers for Yankee uh, history and for just baseball history. And okay, so here it is. Aaron Judge has 220 career home runs. Okay. He'll most likely pass Don Mattingly at 222 and has a shot at Derek Jeter at 260 this season. So like we already have things to look forward to. Like, okay, do you want to be there for Judge when he passes Don Mattingly? And then at the end of the season, it could be like, okay, Judge is about to pass Derek Jeter all time on the Yankees list of home run hitters. So, yeah, you know, it's funny because ahead of Jeter is Posada at 275. So it would take, mm-hmm. it would take 50 next year, next home year. runs, you know, another, but, but think about this. <laughs> this is how, this is the kind of year he had. The, I'm looking at last year's Yankees media guide and they list the top 20 in career numbers for everybody. Judge is not in the top 20 in career home runs. And he is currently at number 12. That's how, <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's how um great a season yeah that's how many places he jumped i don't you know i this guess guy is on pace like we'll we'll see because i don't want to jinx anything but he's on pace to give us another decade of ceremonies and live check-ins and p- potentially a run to the hall of fame obviously we know his number one priority is the world series but it's going to be fun we're blessed as yankees fans to have another guy. We're talking about Don Mattingly. We're talking about Derek Jeter. Judge is the guy, especially for these young boys that root for the Yanks. That, Like I said, I miss Donnie baseball. These young kids miss Jeter. Jeter retired coming up on nine years now. Yeah, how about that? Mm-hmm. Your son is nine? Yeah, never saw him play. Yep. <laughs> so exactly right. Judge is his guy. Mm-hmm. It's um yeah, so that's gonna be part of the excitement here. I think well we can talk more about that as the year goes on. I think it's gonna be kind of fun to see how he progresses up the career charts. Um I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is the deal. Each week you're here is in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We're listening to BXB. It's Bronx Baseball. It's the Yankees podcast from Odyssey and WFAN along with Keith McPherson. I'm Sweeney Murdy, and we're pleased to be joined by Yankees pitching coach Matt Blake. Matt, thanks for joining us today. We were just talking about what a what a fun run it was watching Aaron Judge. You got I know you have other things on your mind during the course of the game, but you know, you got to 
you got to kind of have a seat, maybe the best seat, because you know you're worried about the pitchers. You got nothing invested in watching the hitters. It's it's just eyes on to have fun. That must have been a blast last year. Yeah, you're generally aware when Judge is coming up, so you make sure you get your conversations with the pitcher out of the way, and then get your attention back on what's important. Yeah, bad. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, um, uh, Keith. And I have a lot of stuff for you, but I wanted to start with this. Um, it was it. I, I said early in the winter and earlier in the show that I thought that uh, the Yankees' second most important free agent this winter was you, okay? Now, is it true that it took a ninth year to get you to sign back home? <laughs> yeah, we had to get it over $300 million to get me back, so no. <laughs> uh, no, it was uh, – I mean, I was looking forward to coming back the whole time. I just had to go through the process a little bit, and Cash got a lot of other things on his plate before uh, getting to the pitching coach, so <laughs> – worked out though that's great that's great yeah. matt nice to like meet you digitally keith mcpherson here uh wfan nighttime host clearly a yankees fan and uh i'm a matt blake fan before you came on i was like i'm a matt blake guy how could i not be after the progress the change and the success that we've seen with this pitching staff in your quick time here and now you're extended and I feel like you get to finish the job. What are you most excited about coming into this season? We know there's obviously one huge addition to the rotation, but uh, I feel like this season coming up, there's so much energy on, okay, we know where we are from, you know, these last couple of years. What are you most excited about working on or, you know, seeing your guys do in 2023? Yeah, I think the nice thing is, you know, now after three years, really like two and a half years, but, like getting a chance to kind of build a little bit of a culture and a system and kind of get our guys thinking in a certain way. And uh, I think now that we're all bought in on kind of the direction we're going and it's just keeping taking steps forward. And obviously we've got a really talented group and we've got some guys that have grown into some really important roles. Obviously the, the starting rotation is what it is very talented. And, you know, there's a lot of hype around that with Carlos coming to the mix, but I really feel like the bullpen um, has a lot of unsung heroes in it. I, I think that's, that's what I'm probably most excited about is trying to figure out like where some of these young guys fit and obviously them growing into important roles. Cause you know, the last few years it's been, uh, you know, Chapman, Britton, Green, and it's kind of, we've turned it over pretty heavily. Now talking about Loisica, Holmes, Peralta, you know, Trevino's in the mix, Schmidt's coming into his own, Marinaccio. So, you know, all these guys are kind of stepping up and, you know, kind of filling the void of what was kind of like this vaunted bullpen before. We're definitely going to get into some of those bullpen arms, Matt. But you mentioned Carlos Radon. Uh, I'm sure that since he's signed on, you spent a lot of time kind of diving into him a little bit. What are some of the things that you can tell fans about what you've kind of discovered in your, your, you know, your kind of intense research on what he's about and what he's going to bring in 2023? Yeah, I think the nice thing about Carlos is it's a relatively simple attack plan. It's he's coming right at you with a fastball and a slider, and they can be overpowering at times and doesn't have to overcomplicate things so from that standpoint he's exciting to watch because he's going to be aggressive in his own and go right after hitters um so i think right there is kind of the backbone of who he is and then obviously we've got you know six years of looking at like what does he look like going forward you know how do we continue to evolve this thing you know obviously he's used a change up in the past he's used a little bit of a bigger breaking ball kind of a curveball last year so there's definitely some other pieces to him but the you know fastball slider combo is as good as it gets out there my question is about Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole is an ace, uh, but the question of if he's an ace comes up a lot in Yankees fans' conversations with the amount of home runs he gave up last year. I think this year coming up, 
There's no way he gives up that many home runs. So are are you expecting a bounce back year? It's not even a bounce back year because he, he did well in October and he's Garrett Cole. He had a ton of strikeouts like he's Garrett Cole. But in 2023, are you expecting him to have a better year with less strikeouts? And what are you thinking he's going to change or do? I know he's got a, a great work ethic and approach. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's high standards for anyone that comes into to this Yankee environment, you know, with a contract like that and his pedigree and things along those lines. You know, I think he's lived up to it and given us what you'd hope a guy would give you uh, as the front of your you know, rotation. Obviously, there's higher expectations for Garrett within himself. Uh, so I think, you know, just looking at some of the home runs last year and some of the hard contact, obviously, that's an area we're looking to solve coming into the year. But to your point, I feel like he gave us a lot of quality starts throughout the year. And then really, when it was most important, he really settled in and gave us probably some of his best starts, especially in that Cleveland series when, you know, there was a lot of you know fanfare about whether he was going to deliver for us. And I think just calming some of those nerves and going out there and executing at probably some of the best baseball he's, he's had all year. Um, I felt like that left us with a really good uh, place to pick up in 2023. Man, I have one more rotation question for you, actually. You know, we didn't see a lot of Frankie Montas, and it's hard to tell when a guy comes over here um, how much of his performance is related to the atmosphere, and he had a physical issue as well. So mm-hmm. how much were you able to kind of um, figure out about how much we saw of Montas was related to the shoulder, how much was related to, you know, just the new environment and, you know, what are you kind of looking forward to here from him? Well, obviously, you know, he came off uh, the, the shoulder injury when we, he was kind of rehabbed quickly and then came to us and then we kind of ran him out there and then it kind of flared up on him. So it's hard to say what version of Frankie we got. Obviously, anytime you get traded midseason and come into the expectations of you know Yankee playoff chase, you know, that's that's challenging in its own right. And then trying to do it while maybe you had you know still some lingering issues with the shoulder. So, I mean knowing the guy that we saw um, prior to coming over to us, like this is as, you know, he's a top, you know, two, three in your rotation on any rotation. And then it's just a matter of making sure we get him in here healthy, settled in, you know, get his head on straight in terms of what he's focused on and getting back to some of the things he did really well in Oakland. And I think that's, you know, hopefully that, you know, by putting in Carlos and knowing the other guys around him, it takes some of the pressure off of, you know, he's supposed to be the number two. He's supposed to be, you know, the narrative coming in. Like I think it solves that a little bit. And hopefully we just get his feet underneath them, you know, get him focused on the right things and then hopefully get off to a good start here. When I think about the Yankees pitching staff and, and you leading these guys, the rotation and the bullpen, it's like Matt Blake's pitching lab. Um, what is it that you do with these guys to unlock a Nestor Cortez or a Clay Holmes or a Michael King or Ron Marinasio, like these guys have come up and performed and it's like, okay, something is happening with them uh, when they're working on their stuff with Matt Blake. Yeah. I feel like we've got a good system in place of we utilize the information. Well, it gets from the office to the coaches, to the players pretty seamlessly. Um, I think we try and make sure that the players know a lot about themselves and what makes them you know, unique and special. And I think we're fortunate as Yankees that we have the resources to go out and get players with unique traits and outlier skills. And then it's just a matter of getting them to be able to use them effectively and, you know, know what the, you know, being able to put them in the best situation to get the most out of themselves. And 
we've had some success with guys doing that. Obviously, Clay Holmes is the first one that jumps to mind. You know, Wandy Peralta is not too dissimilar. Like, it's easy with a guy like Garrett who's got, you know, five tools to work with. But, you know, sometimes finding these, you know, pockets of, you know, market inefficiency is where we've kind of made some of our, you know, our hay here. You know, Nestor Cortez and Clay Holmes are both two guys I think, you know, fall on, you know, uh, under your success ledger, right, uh, from last year. But how much how much of it is a concern of what we saw at the end of last year, maybe from both of those guys? I think there's there's at least a little bit of a question mark about Nestor's durability for another season after having pitched so many innings for the first time. And we saw some of the effects of that maybe at the end of the season. Uh, what kind of, you know, things are you doing for him going forward here about that? And is Clay Holmes simply – he, you know, he got healthy again and he can repeat what he did in the first half of the season. Yeah, I'll start with Clay. I feel like the, you know, it was hard because he came over to us at the end of uh, 21 and kind of just was awesome the whole time. And we kind of had this plan in place for him. He comes out in 22, has a great run. And now it's like, okay, you know, at some point, you know, the ball's going to drop here and something's going to go sideways on us. And, you know, fortunately it was in the middle of the season, you know, there was a little bit of a back issue there involved in it that we're trying to work through, but you know, there's going to be a hiccup and it's a matter of like, okay, can we now see what the hiccup is and make the adjustment? I feel like he did a really nice job down the stretch of rehabbing and getting back and, you know, giving us some really quality outings down the stretch. Um, And now I think we've got a chance to take a step back, figure out, okay, when you were going well, what did it look like? When you kind of got off the rails a little bit, what did it look like? What are some of the little adjustments we got to stay on top of? And I feel like the fact that we kind of went through that and then came out the other side gives us a really good jumping off point for 2023, just to know like, okay, when things are going to maybe start to get off the rails a little bit, here are the little things we need to be on top of before that happens. Um, So I think that was important. And then with Nestor, I mean, anytime you're talking about a guy trying to carry 175 to 200 innings, there's always going to be some level of concern of can they do this consistently? Um, I think last year we were kind of just working into, you know, uncharted waters with him about how far he could go. And we were always trying to be mindful of, you know, maybe pulling up a pitch count a little short, giving him an extra day. Um, Obviously the groin kind of cropped up on us at the end of the year, but I feel like knowing kind of where he ended the season uh, gave us something to talk about going into the off season and, here are the things that you really need to do to take care of your body to make sure that you can handle the full, you know, the full workload that we're asking of, you know, a, tr- a starter really, you know, obviously it's 150 is like kind of one, you know, benchmark and then getting above that to the 175, 180. I mean, really that's where, you know, the, the, the workload goes if you're, you're going to carry the, the starting rotation. Here's a question for you specifically. Um, you know, I feel like Yankees fans have gotten to know you over the last couple of years. You're a mild mannered guy. But I don't think these umps know who you are. They'll throw you out of the game. So for 2023, <laughs> where are we setting the over-under? I'm going to set the over-under at like one and a half ejections for Matt Blake. What are you thinking about that? Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Assuming assuming things go on par, I'd say one's probably a, a safe place to land. Two, you're starting to push the envelope a little bit. Three, you're getting into boonie territory. And now we're getting in trouble. <laughs> Is it like, do you sound, do you guys sound alike or they have, or is, are you usually guilty when they toss you or is it, you know, what's probably got a few chirps along the way that they just had enough of Booney, they had enough of me and I'm the one they caught. So <laughs> there's not much else. You you can't run out on the field to argue about anything anymore. Everything goes right to videos. So it's like, yeah, you got to get the money's worth from the dugout, yeah, right? Cut my losses short and save the fine. I just go back to the locker room. 
<laughs> uh, listen, we talked about a lot of the bullpen guys. One of them in particular, I, I think Yankee fans are excited to see come back is Michael King. You know, there was some there's some worry about you know how how serious his injury was last year. Uh, didn't need Tommy John. He's already started throwing. Um, first bullpen earlier this week. What did you hear about how he came out of it? Have you talked to him about it? And and is it realistic for him to start the season, or is he going to be a little bit behind? Yeah, no, I think we feel really good about where Kings kind of progressed from given, you know, what it could have been to where we are. I think we feel really good so far about the progress. And, you know, I, I wouldn't rule out, uh, you know, being ready for opening day. Obviously, we got a long way to go from his first bullpen to being ready to pitch, you know, competitively in you know, the end of March, early April. But, you know, let's see how it goes. I think that he feels really good about it. And I think that he's felt good about the way his arms responded to each throwing program and kind of getting off the mound and adding intensity. So, you know, each step he's been in a good spot. So hopefully we can continue that because he obviously huge part of our bullpen and just picked us up in so many different ways, whether it was length, whether it was leverage, whether it was saving a game coming in and, you know, emergency situations. So, you know, obviously the flexibility is is huge when you're talking about the different roles that we're looking at in the bullpen. Um, how annoying is it when you got to go to a role as Chapman? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Tommy Canely. <laughs> how familiar are you with Tommy Canely? Yankees fans are familiar and, you know, we're excited for the reunion. He brings a lot of energy and, uh, I didn't get to see him too much out there in LA, but uh, I'm excited to see what he looks like coming up this year. Yeah, so I got a chance in 2020 to meet Tommy in spring training and then through the COVID process. And really, he got hurt in that first outing with us in Washington. But uh, I think once you meet Tommy, you're pretty well aware of who Tommy is. So I think there's not a lot to unpack there, which is nice. Uh, but we've had some good conversations. We were really excited to get him back in the mix. I think he's you know cut out for New York. Obviously, he loves the environment. I think he knows what the expectations are and can handle it. Um, and I like true to the other guys, like he can pitch in a lot of different roles. He can, can pitch in like a, a little bit of a length role in the middle innings. He can pitch, you know, late in the game in the ninth inning, uh, kind of handle some of the the reverse split uh, platoon matchups. So, you know, when we only have Wandy as a lefty, he can kind of handle some of those lefties like Ron can. So, you know, it gives us some flexibility out there and obviously a great character to bring back in the mix. Uh, Keith, I can speak from experience. You you always know where Tommy Canely is. You don't have to ask if Tommy's around. <laughs> He's allowed. You'll hear it. Yeah, is Tommy here? You know know when Tommy's here. (laughs) Hey, you mentioned Loisiger earlier, and I talked to you a little bit about this uh, at the end of last season, and he's always looked to me like a guy who could graduate to a closer role. He's got that kind of stuff, right? But there's something kind of weird about his splits that tell you that the last couple of years, and it's not a small sample but it's probably spread out, so I don't know how you measure that. He doesn't do well on back-to-back days. His numbers just look bad, and that's important if you're going to be a closer. He's obviously so valuable to you when he can go out there and throw two scoreless after a couple of days rest, but is there something that, whether it's is it physical that's maybe holding him back in those things, is there something that where his stuff deteriorates a little bit on a back-to-back day that you are able to manage? What have you kind of noticed with him and, and how effective he can be for you this coming season? Yeah, I think sometimes it's challenging with guys like that where, you know, he use, gets used in length roles and then he gets used in shorter leverage roles. And then the back-to-back, obviously, is something where how well do they respond? How well do they recover? Yeah. That's something we want to work through a little bit. I haven't looked at it specifically in that way, um, but it's a good point to, you know, reference of, if he's performing better on one day and then not as well on the follow-up, like obviously there's a huge part of his 
success that's on the life of the sinker and the ability to just overpower guys. So there's a, probably a little something to that and not having the same amount of life the second day. But I don't think that's something we can't graduate beyond and make sure that he understands how to stay in his delivery and keep the keep the life and keep the really the recovery process going from day to day. So I would think his role gets bigger and bigger each year. Obviously, you know, some of the guys that were in front of him have kind of graduated on or left the org. So I feel like he's going to be right in the mix. And I, I feel like we got the best version of him down the stretch last year, having a really tough start in 2022. So I think he kind of got over the, the hurdle of, am I good enough to do this? What makes me successful? And kind of graduated beyond that and can kind of, you know, step into 23 and know that he's going to be a huge piece for us. Last year, um, you know, we faced Corey Kluber like four times, maybe even five. Uh, I'm looking forward to this year's new schedule and getting to play different teams and, and playing all the teams. Uh, are you excited about that? We know you spent time in Cleveland. And, uh, you know, are you excited about, you know, going to some other stadiums, playing some different teams and having a little different strategy as far as how you approach the division and, um, you know, even like the National League? As much as I like playing Toronto, Boston, you know, Tampa, you know, all of our guys in Baltimore, even now it's like 19 times. It's nice to take some of those and put them in some other divisions and play some fresh faces. So, you know, just go in there and beat each other up a bunch of times. It's It, it loses his excitement a little bit as you get later in the year. I think that the playing other teams and rebalancing has been really uh, fruitful for us and the league in general. I think it'll have a lot of cool matchups you see more regularly. So, like I still haven't been to some of the parks in the league, so I'm excited to do that. So, so, so you're saying there's only a, a certain number of times you want to see Vlad Guerrero Jr. come up during the course of a season? Yeah, the amount of times we can limit those interactions, the better. <laughs> uh, I I got one more for you here, Matt. Before we uh, before we let you go, um, you're going to get to spring training. You guys have traded away a lot of depth the last couple of years. A lot of guys who are close to major leagues, and we've seen them come up with Chicago and Oakland, things like Texas. Um, who are some of the guys that are coming up here now that you know, in spring training, you're going to be of interest and you're going to see during the course of a season. Who's this year's Ron Marinaccio, who's going to come out maybe and be a, a very important weapon for you that we don't know about, that fans don't know about? Who are some of these guys? Yeah, well, the easy ones are the guys we put on the roster this year. Like Matt Crook was right in the mix for us down the stretch last year, potentially being added to the playoff roster. And we didn't quite get to the threshold of adding him. Just, you know, felt like maybe it wasn't quite fair to put him in that situation without having, you know, pitched a little bit in the regular season for us. But could be an interesting option for us either as a depth starter or in the pen, a really good left-handed sinker that kind of chews up left-handed bats. Um, Randy Vasquez is in the mix for us. He got added to the roster and Johnny Brito, those three guys in particular. So those would be the three that you know for sure are you're on the roster and can be an option. Um, so outside of that, there's some younger guys that you know are pushing their way up the, the ranks that aren't quite there yet, but uh, definitely interesting. And obviously Jimmy Cordero is one guy that was really – coming on late last year and could be a nice right-handed option for us uh, has had some success in the major leagues with Chicago previously coming off the Tommy John rehab. So hopefully we get a chance to see some of these guys and, you know, they're going to help us along the way, just like, you know, Ron stepped up last year and, you know, maybe coming into the year, he was kind of an under the radar guy and really, you know, asserted himself and put him right in the mix. Okay. My last question is a question that Yankees fans need to stop asking, but I'll ask you who starts in left field on opening day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad those are decisions that Booney gets to make and I just focus on who can catch. <laughs> yeah, you, you still have somebody there to catch the ball when it's hit there, though, right? Yeah, someone's, yeah we'll go. Uh, obviously, I like guys that can hit, but if he can catch the ball in the elite rate, we'll take those guys, too.
Yeah, yeah kind of need those outs. Kind of need those. Yeah, <laughs> you should have some seven this night. There's a lot at stake here. You can't have only seven guys out there. But I mean, obviously, you know, Hixie and Cabrera do a nice job out there for us. So if that's where we end up, that's great. Fantastic. Matt, uh, spring training is coming up soon. Pitchers and catchers, uh, really not that far away. When do you head down and uh, when um, when did everything start ramping up for you and your staff? Yeah, I'll head down there first week of February, uh, kind of get there probably like a week ahead of report date and just kind of get lay of the land. And there'll be a lot of guys working out at the minor league complex. So I'll get a chance to see a lot of the minor leaguers first and kind of see what's going on there and get some familiarity. Because um, I feel like that's one thing that, as we're growing, like the the systematic uh, development and making sure guys can kind of seamlessly transition from minor leagues to major leagues is really important. So getting some time down there on the, you know, on the complex is really important. And then, uh, you know, we'll get ready to roll right around that uh, the 13th and the WBC guys show up. And then the 15th, when uh, we get the full camp, our full pitcher catcher report. Well, it kind of seems like yesterday when we were asking you about your first ever mound visit and what that oh. was going to feel like. Uh, <laughs> That was, uh, you know, it's been a fun couple of years, and uh, I think Yankee fans are happy with the results of the pitching staff the last few years and looking forward to more. Uh, thanks for giving us a few minutes here, running some of this down, and uh, I guess we're going to hear from you and talk to you again real soon with pitchers and catchers uh, yeah, on the horizon. Sure. Good luck this year. Thanks so much yeah, for being here. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks for joining back. us, Matt. Uh, you are one guy that can step out on the field in Yankee Stadium and never get booed. So far, so far. <laughs> yeah, cool. Not going. yeah, wait, come back. Make sure you're listening to the long year. I'm going to catch yeah. Keith. You know, he's going to be yelling at you about something. So that's I'll, I'll make sure. That's right. It's all part of it. We know what we signed up for. Fantastic. <laughs> Matt, thanks again. Happy New Year. Thanks, thanks for joining us. All right. All right. See you later. That's Matt Blake, Yankees pitching coach. Keith, uh, you know, I, I think you get a, a, a one of his hallmarks is preparation. And I think we get a taste of that. You know, we throw a bunch of different names and situations and different things at him. And he's, you know, he's there. He's got the A, B, C, D parts of the answer. This is a, a part of the reason why he has been successful the last couple of years, I believe. Yeah, I, I like Matt Blake. His His personality, he's mild-mannered. But, like, he doesn't need to be a fiery guy for me. I, I'm sure that he's smart. I'm sure that he puts in the work. We've seen the improvement. We've seen the change. For years, it was the Yankees don't have the pitching. They don't have enough pitching. They have the pitching now. We just need the hitting to come through. And I'm excited that he gets to continue what he started. Uh, he didn't go anywhere else. I think he's got rapport with these guys. We've got the best rotation in baseball. I'm excited for 2023, obviously. Fantastic. And it all gets started soon. Thanks again for joining us here. If you missed any of our other episodes, we've had some really good people on and you can go back and catch them on the uh, archive at Odyssey, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts and uh, go back and listen to some of our past shows. And you'll hear some uh, some of our uh, fun guests. John Flaherty was on recently. I'm blanking on who else we have. Bernie Williams is on recently. Um, and I forget who some of the other people are. Nick Swisher, Swisher. Randy Wilkins, who did the Captain yeah, Doc. Who we on last time? I forget who we had on last time. Oh, oh um, from the baseball writers. Uh, oh, Jay Jaffe broke down the uh, Jay Jaffe broke down the whole Hall um, of Fame uh, voting Andy process, Pettit, right? Kind of thing for us. So yep. that was great. Uh, go back and listen to that because that Hall of Fame vote is coming soon too, and uh, you can listen to that. Uh, as for us, we will be back again soon. Keith's on every night on WFAN. You can hear him there, and we'll be coming back here as well. Uh, follow us on the socials. You'll see that, and make sure you keep coming back for more. Subscribe, review, all that jazz where you get your podcast. BXB from Odyssey and WFAN. For our producer, Ryan Chai.
Leicester. Thanks to Matt Blake and for Keith McPherson. I'm Sweeney Murdy. We'll see you next time.